Good morning, good morning, good morning. Nothing like starting the day this morning with a little bit of Crowder. Crowder's awesome. And uh, I hope you're doing great. Welcome to Burlington Christian Church and our uh, website and our message today. Uh, I'm excited about this. We've got things going on at church. Uh, we've got a guest speaker. I'm gone to the beach with our teenagers uh, on this weekend. Uh, so I'm doing this specially just for you guys so that uh, we can dig into God's word today and talk about talk about when God steps in. When God steps in, when God steps in, oh my goodness, there's so many things that happen when God comes into your life. And I hope uh, that every one of us are, are at least experiencing that a little bit. We know that God has stepped into the world in a very general way. He's very much a part of the planet. He did not just wind us up and let us go. He is very much engaged in the world and what's going on on the planet and through his people. And it's so awesome. It's so awesome that that when God steps in, not just in a general way to keep the sun where it needs to be and the moon where it needs to be and all the planets where they need to be and keep things moving the way they need to be, but when he steps into our lives in a very special way, when he draws us to himself, when he begins to do a work in us and he begins to change us and transform us and, and do things in and around us and through us and, and pushes us into doing things that we never thought we would do. It is amazing when God steps in and we give him the controls of our life and we say, God, help me to just honor you in everything I do and just, just be completely committed and devoted, God, to you. What an exciting life. Um, and, and this morning, I'm glad to be with you this morning. Uh, like I said, I'm at the beach uh, with our teenagers having a great time. Uh, but, but this message is, once again, another example of what it looks like when God steps into uh, a situation in our life. And, and that's what we're going to talk about when he steps in. Lots of things happen. Power comes in. Vision comes in. Direction comes in. Guidance comes in. Forgiveness comes in. Clarity comes in. Lots of things come in when God steps in. But the, the biggest thing, the overarching thing that happens when God steps into your life and my life is this. It's simple, but it's powerful. Miracles happen. God is the author and the inventor and the creator of miracles. And he wants to do miracles in your life and in my life. And when he steps in, that's what's gonna happen. Things are gonna happen that are unexplainable. Things are gonna happen that you're gonna go, hmm, how did that happen? Oh, I know how that happened, God. And that's it, that's the only explanation for it because it's, it goes beyond reason, many of these things. It goes beyond what is normal. It goes beyond what anybody expects. It's God doing his work through you and me. And we just kind of sit back and go, man, God, you are incredible. And when we have that kind of living, breathing relationship with God, and we are in the best place we could ever be. Like nothing could come our way that, that could throw us off. Like it doesn't matter what, I, not even death. Like, like death is the most extreme, but anything short of death, you know, anything that could ever happen to us, we, we've got it because we know that God has got us and therefore God has got us in every, in any situation that we find ourselves in. 
So we said, in the beginning, there was nothing. God steps in, and now everything that we know is here. Noah, God called Noah. Evil was on the planet. God was kind of disgusted that he made man, and so he calls Noah. He steps into Noah's life. Noah builds this huge ship. All the animals are saved. Noah's family saved, and God starts over with Noah. When God stepped into Noah's life, he did something gigantic, insane. Then we talked about Abraham. And we're going uh, to expand a little more on Abraham and, and because God did so much through Abraham today. But, um, but God used Abraham. He called him to go to a place that he had no idea where he was going. God said, you just start walking. And when I say stop, that's where you're going to live. And God said, I'll show you the land that I'm going to give you. God made promises to Abraham and God did amazing things through Abraham. Well, here's the deal. When God steps into our lives, we are impacted in big ways. Hope comes in to our lives, and our lives, truly, our lives are changed forever. When, when we say, God, come into my life, work in me, God, forgive me of my sin, God, make me right with you. And we cry out to God for forgiveness and mercy and grace. And we believe that he is who he said he is. We believe that his son is the son of God. We, we repent and change. We begin to change our attitude and we let God help us change who we are as people. And we're immersed into Christ. We're washed clean by, by the grave of baptism. And we go into that water. We come out a new creation in Christ and he puts his Holy Spirit in us. And we sign on the dotted line in those moments. As we go into that water, we are like signing on the dotted line. Like, we, like when we buy a car, we have to sign the dotted line. Most of the time, it's like, you know, 500 pages of signatures that we have to sign to buy a house or to buy a car. But with God, it's simply this. You repent, you are washed clean, and God forgives you, and he pours his Holy Spirit into your life. We sign on the dotted line. God, I need you. I want you in my life, Lord. Help me. When we do that and God steps into your life, you better just hold on because God is about to do some very incredible things from that moment forward. And a lot of it is gauged on us, our attitude, our response to God, our desire to let God use us in, in mighty ways and our commitment to following God and doing things his way. We can give our lives to Christ and go off and continue to sin if we want. We can do that. God's not going to jump in and stop us. But if we truly want God to step into our life and do something miraculous, then we need to commit completely to him. Like Noah did. Like Abraham did. Like so many others said, God, here I am. Use me. Here's the thing. What we learned very quickly as we give our lives to Christ and he steps into our life, we learn very quickly that it is no longer about us. Like there's some growing steps that happen as God steps into our life and we become a little more mature in Christ. We realize it's no longer about us. It is all about God. It's all about God. I am just a pea in a big old world universe. I am nothing. I am tiny, but my impact can be pretty good. It, I can impact people around me. I can leave a, a lasting impact in this world, even though I am tiny. 
because it's not the tiny me impacting the world. It's the big God in the tiny me that is going to impact the world. And I want God to impact the world through me. I don't know about you, but I hope you want to be used in a way that, that you could never come up with on your own. Like that you could never do it on your own. It, it, it takes the miraculous power of God to pull off. And, and we don't even maybe know, even know what that might be. But we know we want to be used by God. We want to change lives. We want to help people come to know him. And we want to leave a, a positive impression. We want to leave this world better than we found it. And the only way that's going to happen is through God. And I hope that's what we want. You know, what a great life to live. That we are living our lives, giving it away. Blessing as many people as we can along the way. And in that process, we are being blessed in ways that we never dreamed could ever happen. But what we quickly learn as we begin to walk with God and he steps in his life is that it's not about us. You know, when, when we were children, when we were little people, if you can remember when you were tiny, maybe even before you started going to school, it was all about us. Like it was all about me. It was all about us. Everything that our parents did was around me and you and our children and small people like that. And if you have small children, then you know, you know exactly what this is like because small children rule the house. They, they rule the house. They are the kings and the queens of the house. Now you might say, no, they're not. But I beg to differ, because here you go. When it comes to eating, <laughs> When it comes to sleeping, when it comes to where you can go and when you can go, it's all about them. It is completely about our children and, and, and what, what they need. And if it isn't, we're awful selfish. Because when we have children, it has become all about them. It is about them, their timing, their everything, because they need us. They are dependent on us. And we have given up our lives to serve them. We understand that it's about them. And then as they grow up, they hopefully, we, we teach them correctly and they realize that it's not just about them, right? As they move into those adolescent years, teenage years, taking some kids to the beach, they're learning right now that it's not all about them, even though it kind of has been all about them. There comes a time when we have to begin to grow up and mature and realize, you know, you know, I'm in this thing, but it's not all about me. And so there's this maturity that happened. Others get to be included in what we're doing. And that's one of the things the hardest things to teach young people is that it's about us. It's about the, the group. It's about the team, you know, and, and learning to, to have patience with each other and learning to participate so that everyone can equally have a good time together. And we push ourselves and we encourage one another and, and we become a family, a team. And that's what God wants. We've got to grow up. And then as adults, what we learn is that it's, even bigger than we thought. It's not about us anymore. And it's not just about everybody around me. What we begin to learn later on in life is that it, as we mature in our faith, as God steps into life, is that it's really about what God wants. 
Like that's the next step in maturity, right? In the, the scope of baby to adult is that we realize that it's not about us at all. This is about what God wants. And here's the cool thing about what God wants. What God wants is what's best for all of us. And so we say, God, we want what you want because we know that you have your heart and mind on all of us. You made us in your image. You love us. You sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for us. We know you love us. The evidence is everywhere. And so we're going to trust you, God. We, we don't want it to be about us. We want it to be about what you want, and we want to line up God with that. That's what, that's what happens as God steps in and we become more mature in our faith and as we walk with him. And, and that's what this, this message is about today. Here's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know that great love chapter? Paul goes on to say, For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes... So, so completion is coming. We're moving toward completion. God's still working on me. He's still working on you. We've got a ways to go. But when completion comes, what is in part will disappear. So the blurriness, the not, not quite there-ness, it will, will go away. When I was a child, Paul says, look at what he said, verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away the childhood. I put it behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully. Now, Paul says, look, when we were children, we acted like children. But as we grow up, as we learn about the heart and the mind of God, our lives are changed completely, completely. And there's a maturity that has to happen in us, moving us from infant child to adult human to spiritually mature man or woman of God. And so we move from childhood to an adult human being, you know, where we're not just thinking about ourselves. But then we step, we, we move again to a spiritually minded person that has the things of God on our heart. And that's what we want most, not just what human adults want, because there's a lot of people who get stuck in child attitudes with a, in adult bodies, right? They're, they're adults but they're childish. We gotta move beyond that. God is calling us beyond that. He's calling us to move past adulthood to spiritually minded people who have a heart and a mind for him. See, when God steps into our life, this journey of maturity and growing up to be like Jesus is what begins in us. Now, Abraham, we said Abraham had a son. As his story unfolds, and that's what we're going to dig into a little today, Abram has a son, and he and his son will be tested greatly. In Genesis chapter 22, God tests Abraham to the fullest that any father, that any person could ever be tested, ever in their lives. 
And what we have to understand, though, as, as this story kind of unfolds, is this. Abraham and Sarah did not have a child. They didn't have a child. Sarah wanted a child really, really, really bad. Maybe this morning you can relate to that. She wanted a child, but she's getting older and there's no child that she has had that she could claim as her own child. Now God had promised Years ago, God had promised to Abraham that he would be a father of many nations. We talked about that last week, that God promised Abraham that he would, his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore, that he would have millions and millions of descendants from him. That's what God promised. But now here's Abraham some 25 years later and still no child no child this many descendants hasn't even begun yet and abraham finds himself at 100 years old and his wife sarah sarah she is 90 years old and so they're getting up in age and god 25 years ago called abraham out of his land and made promises that he would be the father of many nations and now 25 years later, still no child. And you know, that could be depressing for them. Uh, that could be very uh, a very hard thing to swallow. That, that you put your faith in God, you trust God, but God doesn't seem to be hearing you. He said he'd give you children, that you would have many descendants, but here we are 25 years later and nothing has happened. And here's what I want to say to you about that. It's about timing. It's about God's timing. Because, you know, <laughs> we like to check our watch, right? We like to look at our watch. We saw that on the news this week, didn't we? We like to look at our watch and uh, we should be careful when we look at our watch because could give the wrong impression. But we live by time and all of us want things to happen quicker. Like our timing is now, like we want this and we want it now. But what Abraham and Sarah are learning is that it's not about their timing, it's about God's timing. And the thing about God's timing is his timing is always perfect. Our timing is just a guess. We don't even know. It's all about God's timing and it's not about our timing. And this is the hardest thing for us to learn on this journey. The very timing of God. Waiting on the timing of God. Now here's what's going to happen in our story. In Genesis 18, these three men from God, angels from God in human form, come to visit Abraham to give him good news about a child, that they're going to have a child. Remember, Abraham's 100 years now and Sarah's 90 years, 25 years have gone by and Abraham's just going about his business in a new land, waiting for God to do whatever God was gonna do next. 25 years go by, you know, I, I want things now. I, like, I wanna see progress, I wanna see things get done, I wanna go do this now, I wanna go to Haiti, I wanna go help, I wanna go, you know, I wanna do all this and I wanna do it now. And what I have to learn sometimes is that I just gotta chill and, and let God do what God wants. 
I may not be able to do everything I want, but, but if I do what God wants, then, then really in the end, that's what's most important. Well, here's what happened. Now, Sarah was listening as these three angels are talking to Abraham about this child. She's listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him, Abraham. So Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. She's already past this. And so Sarah laughed to herself, and she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? That's pretty crazy, right? She's like, first, one, on one hand, she's probably thinking, you know, like it's about time. You know, this promise was made 25 years ago, God. It's about time this is going to happen. And so maybe she's thinking like that. But either way, she's, she's got this like, she's in shock because the time, the window, the window is now shut in her mind and she thought there's no way that I'm having a kid and and so she laughs to herself then the Lord said to Abraham it's no small thing what she did why did Sarah laugh and say will I really have a child now that I am old is anything too hard for the Lord I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, and so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Wow, that's pretty crazy, right? You know, Sarah, Sarah had, had, had good reason, maybe, to doubt. As a human being, uh, you take away faith and you take away the, the power of God. And, and as a human being, she had every reason to doubt and to wonder if this was ever going to happen. I mean, she's 90 years old. Her, her window is over. 25 years have passed. And so she thought, I'm dried up. This is not going to happen. I, this body is not having a child. Like she had good reason to, to feel that way. But what she forgot, what Sarah had forgot, even in her older age, when she should have been wiser, is that God is God. God is God, and nothing is too difficult for God. See, that's what Sarah misplaced. She misplaced the knowledge and the wisdom that God is able that nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. With God, everything is possible, whatever your circumstance. No matter what it is you're going through, whatever obstacle or challenges you're facing, God is able. Nothing is impossible for God. And Sarah had to get that in her brain. Nothing. This is another spiritually mature view that God is able. And all we need to do is just believe, just believe that God is able. And then sure enough, after a year goes by, the angels come back and Isaac, the son is born, a child is born, and they give him the name Isaac, which means laughter because Sarah laughed. 
that God could do it. And so for the rest of her life, every time she said, Isaac, she was about to remember, she was about to remember that God is able to do what God said. It doesn't matter how young or how old or what you think. God is able. Well, Isaac grew, and sometime later, God was going to test Abraham and Isaac with this powerful test that we're going to read about in Genesis chapter 22. But God tests us. And why does God test us? Well, for a number of reasons, God tests us. To strengthen us, to prove us, and to help us prove to ourselves, in a way, that we are going to hang on to God even if the world comes up against us. God tests us to refine us, to purify us. Because in the midst of hardship and testing, we are pushed to a limit that we can never get to any other way. And so by pushing us and testing us, God strengthens our faith in him. And we see once again the evidence of God in the middle of our trial. And there's a big difference between testing and tempting. God does not tempt. To tempt someone is to try to get them to do evil. God does not tempt us to do evil. God tests us to prove our faith more genuine, more genuine like gold. Like right now, there's a lot of impurities in me. The more God tests me, the more those impurities begin to be moved out of my life as I become more pure in my faith in him. That I know that I know that I know that God is able to do whatever it is he wants. And so for that, we say, God, bring on the testing. Bring it on. We don't question God. We don't question circumstances. You know, when as we're growing up, we learn we, we don't need to go there. God knows what he's doing. I trust God and whatever is going on in my world, whatever's going on in my life, I'm just going to accept it as part of God's plan to make me more like him. That's a mature attitude. That's what I want to have. I, I need to have. I don't always get it right, but I, I strive to be more mature in him, to have a more mature attitude spiritually, not just a human being adult maturity, but a spiritual minded, godly attitude, one that involves my heart and my mind and my faith in God. That's what God's trying to do. He's trying to use these tests to strengthen me. Now, James says this about tempting. And James says this in chapter 1, verse 13. When tempted, nobody should say God is tempting me because God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does God tempt anyone else. Here's the deal. Each one of us, we are tempted when, and, and are dragged away by our own evil desires and enticed. See, we allow the temptation to fester in us. It may come our way, the devil may present us with a temptation, but we allow it to grow in us. We allow it to live. We can cut it off and walk away, or we can let it linger. And he says, then after desire is conceived, comes into our head, we desire it, it begins to give birth. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So 
That's where temptation leads to death. Testing leads us to God, to God. It leads us to a stronger faith in God. It's simply like, like sweating it out to get stronger or to, to get faster or to, be, to improve in your craft on, on this earth in whatever uh, sport or art that you're in. It's pushing yourself. It's getting those calluses so that you can play your instrument better or, or more uh, effectively. Like it's, it's going through hard time so that your faith will be stronger. God, God tests us. Well, Isaac grew and sometime later God tests him. And in Genesis 22, we see this great temptation or not temptation, I'm sorry. This great testing of God's for, for, uh, for Abraham and Abraham and his son, Isaac, his little son. So let, let's just read this. Sometime later, uh, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, that's kind of an interesting relationship. And then God calls Abraham, hey, Abraham. And Abraham's like, yeah, Lord, I hear you. Yeah, wouldn't it be cool if God did that today? Like if God's called your name, like you're out in the hills somewhere all by yourself and you're just maybe praying, thinking about God, and all of a sudden God says your name, like, like through the clouds. Wouldn't that be crazy? I think that's what's going on with Abraham right now. And then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice. Isaac there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. This is again, Abraham. God says, do this. Abraham's like, yes, sir, I'm on my way. And boom, there he goes again. And it doesn't matter what God is asking. Abraham is just going to follow instructions and do exactly what God says. Verse four. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw a place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. So Isaac now is carrying the wood for the, for the altar that he is about to be sacrificed on and he doesn't even really know it. He himself, Abraham, carried the knife and the fire. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up. Now this has got to be the most gut-wrenching moment for Abraham in this whole thing, right? Up to now, it's already pressure. It's already tension. It's already, oh my goodness, God wants me to sacrifice the only son I have that he already said would be like, he would be the one that many descendants would come through. This is the son. I kill him and I've got no child that's going to carry on the many father Abraham to many nations. And so Abraham's probably thinking all these crazy thoughts and wondering, what am I doing? And why am I up here going to sacrifice my son? God, do you know what you're doing? And his son says this to him. Look at this. Isaac spoke up as they're walking up the mountain. Isaac's got the wood on his back. Abraham's got the fire lit on a torch. And he's got a knife probably in his belt. 
And he's going to use these two things to kill his son. God is, what a, what a, what a crazy, intense, none of us, none of us would ever, would ever even be on that hill. We would have been running the other direction as far as we can get. We would have grabbed our son and our wife and we would have been like, we're getting out of here. We're not going up on that mountain. But here's Abraham in his faith and trusting God like 110% and they're walking up the hill and Isaac spoke up and he said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? You know, Abraham and Isaac had probably gone up on many mountains and walked to many altars and laid animals on that altar and sacrificed them to the Lord. There's no doubt Isaac probably had seen Abraham slit the throat of an animal as the blood poured out and that offering was placed on that fire and it went up to God as a, as a thank offering to God to say, God, thank you for your provisions. And now this time, they're going up to do an offering, but there's no animal. And little Isaac is looking around going, Dad, we've got everything, but where is the lamb? You know, and that word lamb is so important because if we just fast forward to a cross on Golgotha, what we're going to see in that vision is the Lamb of God hanging on, an, on a cross with his blood poured out for you and for me, for the sins of the world, and his Father not withholding his Son as a sacrifice, allowing his Son to be sacrificed for you and for me. And Abraham and Isaac in this moment are just a foreshadow of, of that day in Jerusalem when Jesus would be sacrificed for the sins of the world. And God is showing us and he's showing Abraham this, this kind of liken to what he's going to do years later with his own son. What a, what a powerful test. What a powerful message. What a powerful truth that only God could do something like this to help us like later when we see what Jesus did and we be, we're able to look at both of these things together and we realize just how awesome God is and how much he loves us, how good he is to us. Look what Abraham says, you know, Isaac says those words and Abraham is like, I mean, what would you say to your kid? Like you're walking up there, you're going to sacrifice your own son. Verse 8, look what Abraham says. God, Isaac, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. I don't know how Abraham did this. 
you know, it's easy for us to, to be on the other side of the cross and look back and go, wow, yeah, Abraham, okay, you know, God was just trying to show us what he was going to do through his own son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but in the moment, I don't know how Abraham pulled it off. Uh, there's only one way. He had such an incredible, intense faith in God that we don't know anything about that we would be we would be lucky to even have a smidgen of that faith his faith was unbelievably powerfully great when they reached the place god had told him about abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it and he bound his son isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood and then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. He is going through with this because God said to do it. Now his mind is probably going, I don't know what I'm doing. Is this really happening right now? What are you doing, God? But he is going through the, the act of about to slay his son. And an angel of the Lord, I love verse 11, like that butt right there. That's gotta be one of the best butts in the world ever it is in abraham's life but the angel of the lord called out to him from heaven abraham abraham Whoosh, oh man here i am he replied do not lay a hand on the boy do not do anything to him now i know that you fear god because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. You were willing to sacrifice your only son to God. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket was, he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham, so Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will provide. What a powerful, powerful moment. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from the heaven a second time. And he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, because, you know, God can only swear by himself. He is God, so he can do that declares the Lord that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned with his servants and they set off together to Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. What a, what, a, what a powerful, 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 incredibly intense event in the life of Abraham. And it's poor little son Isaac who doesn't really understand what's going on yet, probably he's small. But God puts him to the test. And that, that is a powerful, powerful statement for you and for me. And the reason God is going to put him to the test is because God loves Abraham so much. 
and he loves Isaac so much. But what God wants to know more than anything else is how committed are you truly to me? Do you really trust me? Do you really trust me? And are you willing to lay your life down or even your child's life down with your faith and your trust in God? Are there any humans on the planet that would be willing to do what Abraham did? I hope that we're moving in that direction. As we grow up in our faith, as God steps into our life time and time again, I hope we are moving more and more to that moment where if we ever have to lay our life down for the Lord, that we are more than willing and more than ready to do it. Well, there's a, a few things that we pointed out and I want to just reiterate as we wrap this thing up. The first thing is this. God will step in. God will step in. And that's what he does for Abraham. He steps into Abraham's life. He puts Abraham to the test. And when the moment came that Abraham was about to slay his son, God steps into Abraham's life and comes to the rescue once, once again. That's how good God is. But here's the thing we learn about. Number one is this. God will step in. It's, it's all about God. It is not about us. Abraham has to learn and to grow up that God is God. Now, he, he learned this really well, but what about us? Do we learn this really well? That God is God. And it's all about God. And no matter what he asks you to do or where he calls you to go or what he asks you to give up, you, would, you and I would just willingly do it. Just like Abraham, just go. Just get up and go. Do whatever God said. He is God. He is God. And it is all about him. It is not about us. Number two, Abraham has to learn that in the promises of God, because God made these promises to him that he was going to be the father of many nations, that he would have a great name, that people would be blessed through him, that in those promises of God, it's about God's timing. It's all about God's timing timing and when the timing is right God will step in our job is just be obedient all the way to that final tick on the clock just be obedient to the very end and God will pick the moment when he decides to step in that's powerful and that's what Abraham had to learn the third thing Abraham had to learn was that when things look hopeless or they look over, they are not over. It's not over. Keep your faith intact. Keep your trust on God. It is not over. When it's impossible for man, it's not impossible for God. And he will step in with God. It's never over. It is never over, y'all. It's never over. Never, never, never. Abraham thought her womb was over. And God said, no, it's not. And God could do whatever God wants. You just hang on to that and trust that and believe it. Number four, Abraham has to learn that when God asks you to do something really difficult, impossibly hard, he will not only have his reasons for this, but he will also provide what is necessary for this. And God will step in. 
That's what Abraham learned. That no matter how difficult, how impossible it may have looked on the outside, or, or his emotions, his feelings, his thoughts, his humanness, God is God, and God will step in. And if God asks you to do it, he will also provide whatever is necessary to get it done. That's how God operates. That's how God works. When God steps in. That's <laughs> amazing. Amazing things happen. These are normal people just like you and me. There's Noah and Adam and, well, Adam was a little different kind of God. But Noah and uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all these people of the Bible, the New Testament characters, John and Matthew and Mark and Paul and all these guys. They're just normal guys like us, just like you, just like me. But they just made decisions that they're going to trust God with everything in them. And when God stepped into their lives, miracles happened. Miracles happened. Let me encourage you. Let God step into your life. Let him in. Just say, God, just come in. Step into my life. God, do something crazy. Do something new. Drive me or draw me closer to you, Lord. Open my heart and my eyes to what it is you want to do through me. And do something amazing, Father. God, we love you so much. Thank you for, for, for being here with us and, and, and surrounding us and, and just being right there available to step into our world. And we know you do often. But God, we, we ask that you would step into our life in a very special way that you would show us exactly what you want to do in us and through us. And then we'll have the faith and the guts and the trust to just do whatever you say to do, knowing that you are going to provide everything we need to get it done. God, we love you. You're awesome. You're amazing. Thank you for letting us know you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.